January 15th, 2012. BGN Radio presents Kevin's Oblast Radio. Welcome. This one's going to be kind of short. Uh, I had a request to do one on time, and I thought I would just talk a little bit about uh, time dilation, uh, Einstein's special relativity mainly, and because um, I'm not really going to, I'm not really an expert on uh, time and that sort of thing anyway, because of uh, the math involved and the fact that, um, you know, it's really something that you have to sit down and look at a lot of equations and examples in order to get a general understanding of what it all means. Uh, however, I thought I would just touch on a couple of things to kind of get people's wheels thinking about it. And if you got interested, you know, you could kind of look this stuff up and all that sort of stuff. Uh, well, one thing to think about uh, on Earth is that if you were to like, um, you know, this is a way to start. It's like if you were to take a mirror and you took that mirror and you put it out like a thousand light years away, and uh, for somehow, you know, this is theoretical, of course, you could see it with a telescope, okay? And the mirror was in tune with the Earth, it was moving and all this sort of stuff, and it was aimed back at the Earth. Then you would be able to see everything that happened on the Earth 4,000 years ago. It would take the light from the Earth 2,000 years to travel to the mirror, and then 2,000 uh, years back. Uh, so therefore, all the light that you see on the mirror would be everything on the Earth that happened 4,000 years ago. It's kind of interesting. And... Uh, there's a lot of reasons, of course, that could never really happen. Maybe you could use radio telescopes or something. You couldn't necessarily do it with light, but uh, it's it's interesting. So, but it comes to one of these things where people, when they talk about time and they talk about space-time, they often ask questions like, well, if I'm driving my car and I'm at the speed of light and I turn the lights on, what happens? It's like a joke. It's like something that people always say, like, does light even come out of the lights? Because it only can move at 670 million miles an hour. So what would happen if I turn the lights on? And this is something that a lot of people, I think, don't understand about the universe. That the universe and time are uh, connected, and that, uh, well, space and time is. The space-time continuum, as they like to say on Star Trek all the time. And uh, they're, um, they're intertwined, as you would say. And so the whole joke about driving the car at the speed of light could never happen. And... Um, if it got close to the speed of light and you turn your lights on, like if you were right at the cusp of the speed of light, you were going 600 and uh, let's just say 68 million miles an hour, and you turn your lights on, what would happen? Light would come out of the car lights and they would be going at the speed of light. So then you might be asking yourself, well, then if they were going, if I was going at 668 million miles an hour and the lights started to come out of my headlights, wouldn't they be going 670 million miles an hour plus the 668 million that I'm already traveling? The answer to that is no. Why is that? Why is that no? Ah, and this is where we get into Einstein's theory of special relativity and time dilation. Basically, light, okay, um, travels at 670 million miles an hour. It is the fastest thing in the known universe. But a couple of things you have to understand before you try and ca um, calculate this sort of thing is the fact that where you are in the universe right now, okay, is different from where everyone else is. Let's say you're on an airplane, okay, and you are traveling from New York to Los Angeles, and it's perfectly still. If you had all the windows closed on the airplane, you didn't know you were on an airplane. Let's say they changed it to look like the holodeck on Star Trek, okay, and you're just in there, and you couldn't hear air engine noise. The plane wasn't moving or rocking or anything. It was perfectly still, and you were traveling at 500 or 600 miles an hour. How would you know that you're actually on a plane? You wouldn't. I mean, there's no, there's no test you can do that proves that you're on board this airplane uh, in, in terms of motion. You can drop... Uh, something and it will drop straight to the ground. It won't move um, around or side to side unless of course the planes 
velocity changes or whatever its direction. So, but basically, there's no experiment you can you can do that proves that you're actually in motion. In fact, if you think about it right now, the Earth is moving. It's moving around the sun. It's orbiting. You're going around the galaxy and everything. And you are, um, there's no, you know, when you look around your place where you're sitting right now, everything's probably not in motion unless you're driving in your car. Of course it is, but um, that's just how it works. And so one of the postulates of special relativity is, is that basically all uniform motion is relative. Everything is relative to where you are. How, you know, where you are at when you're conducting the experiment, okay, is going to be different from the person that is, say, conducting the experiment on board uh, an ocean liner, okay? It's just different. Um, and one other way to really think about it is, let's say you're in an elevator, okay? And when you get on the elevator, um, and the elevator's not accelerating, so it's moving at a constant clip, okay? So you don't get that little lift feeling in your legs, it's just moving now at a normal speed. It looks like everything, like outside a glass door, an elevator, um, or the windows on an elevator anyway. It looks like the ground is moving uh, down while you're moving up, right? I mean, you don't see yourself moving up. You see the world moving down. And that's because it's relative to you, okay? And if you were on the ground and you were looking up at the elevator, you would just see the elevator moving up. The ground wouldn't be moving up. The elevator would be moving up. And that would be relative to the person that's sitting on the ground. So that's what, that's basically what relativity means. That's what the, you know, the relative part of it is. Now, what that means, okay, is that all uniform motion is relative. That's the first postulate. The second postulate is basically, as simple as the speed of light, is the same for all observers. <clears throat> roughly 670 million miles an hour. <clears throat> so, if you're moving in the elevator... Okay, you're going up and, and you have a flashlight and I'm on the ground and I have a flashlight and we're both pointing our flashlights straight up, okay? You're seeing the speed of light move at 670 miles an hour and I'm seeing the speed of light moving at 670 miles an hour. Your motion is not adding to the speed of light. Now, how can that be? What happens, you might think, if light from the sun was traveling towards me and I was traveling towards it? Etc. Etc. Wouldn't we be passing each other up at twice the speed of light and all this sort of fun stuff? So this is where the part gets a little bit interesting. This is where the part where you get involved with time dilation. Okay. Two guys. This is a true story, and you know this is an experiment they did in the United States. They had two nuclear clocks, and uh, they were both set to the exact exact time, very precise, and uh, perfectly perfectly in sync. And one guy got on board an airplane with his nuclear clock, and he went around the world, and he came back. And they put the two nuclear clocks right next to each other. And the guy who went around the world, his clock was going slower. It had, it had lost some seconds than the guy sitting there on the ground waiting the entire time. Now, how can that be? How did he lose seconds while he traveled? Well, that's what they call time dilation. Basically, what happens is that this, the motion that you have in the universe okay, slows down time. Now, if you go running right now and you have a watch in your hand and you sync it up with the one you know in your house okay um and you go run all over the place and you come back the the change in time is so infinitesimally small because you're moving at such a slow speed compared comparative to the speed of light that your clocks are still going to be exact the theory goes that stewardesses for instance because they travel or i should say flight attendants now it's probably more appropriate because they travel all over the, you know, the, the world their whole lives, 
um, are actually about five minutes younger than the rest of us at the end of their careers because time has slowed down for them only about five minutes because the speeds, again, are very small. I mean, on an airplane, 600 miles per hour versus 670 miles per hour at the speed of light is a big difference. Now, you're still wondering, though, why does time actually slow down when I'm in motion? This is because time and space are interconnected. The closer you move towards the speed of light, the slower time is for you. But you don't notice this when you're doing it. If you're on board a spaceship and you have a clock, and it's set the same clock that is set on mine on Earth, okay? And you let's say you get up to about half the speed of light, all right? Now, you turn on your flashlight and I turn on my flashlight. You, on board the spaceship, okay, will perceive that your flashlight is, the light coming out of it is moving at 670 million miles an hour. And that it took, you know, 10 seconds to travel a certain distance. And it, on your clock, where you are, that is all perfectly correct, okay? And where I'm at, on the ground, okay, when I shot my light out, my flashlight, it moved at 670 million miles an hour. Now, what happens if you, on board that ship, calculated my light that was traveling? Since you're moving at half the speed of light, would the light that's coming out of my light now be moving at half, the, half your speed? No. Light, if you were able to observe me, would be traveling at 670 million miles an hour. It would be exactly the same as the light coming out of your craft. Now, how is that possible? This is possible because the closer you get to traveling at the speed of light, the more time slows down. So that relative to where I'm at on Earth, you have now gone much slower. You have Everything is slowed down for you comparative to where I am, relative to where I am. So the time has shrunk for you. So your light where you are is moving at 670 million miles an hour, and if it was relative to my light, my light moves at 670 million miles an hour. What has changed is that you have slowed down. So now if you turn your spacecraft around and you come back to Earth, you will find that you've only aged, say, a, a day, where I on Earth have aged, say, a year. And this is because of the difference, you know, than the fact that you, you slowed down that amount after traveling that far, and so you didn't, you know, age relative to me. To you, you've only been gone for, you know, a day. For me, you've been gone for a year. It's all about relativity. So, you know, with that sort of concept, you know, that is what Einstein calls special relativity, and that's what time dilation is all about. You know, some things to think about when you, you talk about time is like, look, you're walking around, and you, let's say you're walking outside and you see a tree, okay? And, you know, the what you're looking at down the street, that tree, okay, is light reflected off that tree and into your eye. It's not the tree as it is now. It is the tree in the past. The light had to bounce off the tree, reach your eye, and your brain had to process it. You're seeing a picture of something that's in the past. And the tree that's behind that tree is actually an older picture than the tree in front of it. Now, granted, these are all freaking nanoseconds and almost, you know, doesn't matter because it's all basically happening now. But everything that you are actually looking at, you know, scientifically, is a, a picture of something in the past. It's not how something is right now. So, 
those are some things to sort of chew on and think about uh, when it comes to time, etc. Uh, you know, you cannot reach the speed of light because if you got to the speed of light, time would stop. But science says, you know, the theory says you can't reach the speed of light. You can get almost to the speed of light, that's fine, but you can't actually get to the speed of light. And so, um, and the speed of light is absolute for everyone involved because the person traveling towards something would slow down, you know, in order for that to, in order for that relative measurement to take place. So it's an interesting thing. I mean, if we ever get to a point where we're traveling really fast throughout the universe, you know, it's, it's, um, and because of the way space sort of, uh, slows down, you, you know, you have this issue where you can't really, um, you can't really uh, have, um, I don't know, a normal life and that sort of stuff. Like the world of Star Trek and stuff, like if you forget about how they're warping space and if they were actually traveling at light speed, um, you know, they would be like, all right, we're going to leave, you know, Starfleet and we're going to head out towards, uh, you know, um, Rigel 4 or something. And uh, then they get back and they're like, what happened to Starfleet? You know why? Well, it's 10,000 years later. We ate the people in Starfleet, you know. They were now cannibals again. I mean, it's just silly. You know, the universe is sort of, it's all relative to each other. Um, so, you know, but again, you can have wormholes and warp speed, and there's probably uh, a quantum way of doing it. I think the movie Contact had a way of doing it um, by quantum mechanics that you can travel very far. Uh, I don't know. And I actually think that the science and contact, that's why I brought it up, is actually right. Not, not one of my favorite movies at all, but um, the science in it is supposedly somewhat accurate anyway when it comes to that sort of thing. So there may be ways to travel fast, but, uh, you know, in terms of time travel, it's apparently not something that's actually going um, possible. And we've brought up some of these things before, and some people had some different theories and things like that. Um, I've seen some uh, unrealistic theory about you know, ways that it could be done, but it requires, you know, too much um, manipulation of whole pieces of the universe in order for it to happen. Um, and it's just generally thought of that it can't happen. And, you know, but, but whatever, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, one thing that's interesting is that they say that if, you know, if you're really, really far away from, from like, say, um, the planet Earth and all this sort of stuff, and you were looking at the Earth... Um, from this distance, you were able to actually see it. You could actually um, change your perspective and see into the past, and you could change your perspective, and you could also see into the future. And that, mathematically, everything in the universe has already happened. Everything in the past has already happened, and everything in the future has already happened. And that we're basically just living through it, but everything already, not only just, um, it wasn't even like a timeline, everything is all one thing. And it already happened, and our brains are just sort of rolling us through events that already took place. But I will say that most scientists feel that uh, at this stage of it, that we don't actually, we're not sure about um, all of that right now. Because we, we're not sure that all of these theories actually hold up under the science. And one of the things that people are you know trying to do is uh, look at the um, the way space and time interconnect because they believe that space is actually a physical thing. Now it's kind of a weird concept because you know you think of space as being nothing, 
But, you know, when you think about the fact that space and time slows down as you accelerate, there's something going on there. And that uh, what they're doing in uh, at the, you know, the big Hadron Collider in Geneva or whatever it is, is that they're actually trying to find um, a piece of space. And, you know, they call it the God particle and everything. And what they're doing is, is they're smashing... Um, you know, photons together or whatever, billions of times, they've, they've done it like billions of times now, and when these two things collide at almost the speed of light, they, you know, they bust off into little elements, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to say that if they keep doing this, that eventually what would happen is a piece of space, space-time, would uh, break off for a quick second before it was absorbed right back into itself, and that we would be able to see it and say, aha, we're right that the universe, space, is actually, you know, there's something there. It, there's, a, there's a fabric of space. You know, we can see it in the sense that we know that, you know, gravity warps space and light bends around space and all this sort of stuff, but we're just not sure what it's made of, you know, what is there. And so that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the Higgs boson, which is a basically the God particle is what they call it. It's sort of a silly name, but really it's a piece of space to understand what space is. And I don't know, I don't know. Uh, you know, there was theories of they're going to tear open a black hole in the universe and all that sort of stuff. Um, maybe, I don't know. Um, but uh, there's some fundamental problems with that in, in the sense that, I mean, at this point, it's been about a year. They've been running experiments. They've banged on that thing about a billion times. They, they talk about how they're close, but um, I don't think they got what they wanted to get out of it. They didn't find it, and um, they continue to talk about it and that they're close. And they may find it. I mean, I don't know that much about all this science. You know what I mean? Like, it's based on theories, but if they don't find it, it's not the end of all these theories. It's not the end of anything. It's just that the, the mystery may actually be deeper than what we think it is. The, the, the connectivity between space-time and, uh, you know, uniform motion is going to be a lot different than um, maybe, you know, what we, uh, what we think, it, uh, think of it as. I mean, the universe is really complex, especially when you get down to the, the really tiny levels of, you know, of, of, like, say, quantum theory and stuff. Um, you know, it, it gets into the real raw mechanics that don't make a lot of sense like you know you can have um one element here and one element there and they can be identical you know and and how can something be the same but be in two places at the same time and very unusual things like that i mean they've come up with ways to like you know possibly transmit information this way um i don't know like without having any sort of connection between the two things and these sorts of things don't exist right now because they're very finite and they don't last very long. But, you know, one example of this is the fact that, like, they can take, you know, this, um, uh, I don't know if it's an electron or a photon or whatever it is, but they, they can, you know, it makes like a copy of itself or it splits itself or whatever it is. And they can take one and they can put it in, like, say, you know, this is an example using lasers and all this stuff, but they can put one in, say, England and have another one in New York, right? And whatever they change on the one happens on the other, even though there's no um, connectivity between them. There's no communication. How is that happening? 
And it's one of those things where quantum physics, quant, you know, the quantum world exists outside of the um, the regular known laws of the universe. And there are rules, though. Don't think of it as like a Wild West type of thing of the universe. There's rules going on down there, but they're different. And it may be because they don't behave, they don't have the same connectivity, for instance, to, like, say, space-time. They don't have the same rules as all the rest of us do. And we're, you know, unfortunately, there are also things that are so freaking tiny and delicate and impossible to measure that, you know, we may never actually get anything really practical out of them. But they try. Sometimes you hear about, like, quantum computers and things like that. It's all kind of uh, up in the air. So anyway, this was a request, you know, it's about time. I didn't want to get really into it. I'm not a math major. I don't spend a lot of it. I'm sure Crassus on the videogamenews.com forums can fill in a lot of blanks on the math of this since he has a bachelor's in it and seems to enjoy talking about these sorts of things. And I invite you to come on to videogamenews.com and jump in the forums and make requests about the next Oblast that you want to hear and what you would want me to talk about, etc. These sorts of math things aren't my strong suit. Um, but, uh, I hope I got your wheels spinning anyway. I hope you got to thinking about some of this and maybe you'll do a little bit of research. You know, YouTube has a lot of great videos that you can do. You know, you can look up special relativity. You can look up time dilation, um, general relativity, of course, and, and sort of see, uh, different, um, instructors as well as lots of animated videos that try to go ahead and explain it. Now they'll do a lot, a lot of these things will do a really good job of showing you how it works. Um, they don't do a really good job of explaining why it happens. And that's one of those things that um, we're not really sure. You know, that's why there are these things with theories and not facts. So, yeah, you know, check it out and all that. I hope you enjoyed the show. This is a short one. You know, I'm going to be doing some more here. I got some more requests, but I wanted to get this time one out of the way. So uh, there you go. Good luck with your time machine building. You know, now you kind of understand a little bit more about special relativity and time dilation. And uh, we'll see you in about 40 years when you're only two years younger. That's it. Good night. Thanks.